Welcome to Simply Youth Podcast. New episode every Friday on Spotify and more platforms. Hello everyone, this is Simply Youth Podcast. I'm Lilia, one of your hosts alongside Hadi, and we are so excited for today's episode because we have the lovely Mariana Wahibe with us. She's the CEO of Mariana Wahibe Public Relations, which has signed with leading international companies in very diverse fields, such as Vogue Arabia, McLaren Automotive, Zaha Hadid, and others. So hello, Mariana, I hope you're doing well. And again, thank you so much for joining us today. Can you talk us through uh, how you knew it was time to initiate your own company, given that it must have been a very bold and maybe scary decision to make? And how did you secure your first client, which isn't an easy thing to do for a first timer? Mm, How did I know that it was time? I think it was at a time in my life where I just wanted um, to 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 end everything I was I was going through. So it wasn't just my you know, my, my business uh, corporate life, I knew I couldn't give any more. I had been there for 16 years and I was running a team of about 13. It was, I knew I didn't want to come to the office anymore. I didn't want to give them my time. I didn't want to teach them anymore. I was just depleted from doing the mundane thing. And I kept looking around me and thinking, this cannot be me in 30 years. I cannot be in, in this corporate bullshit for 30 years talking about the same thing. Um, even though um, I owe everything to DHL, they have been my education, they've been my university, they've been everything that that got me here today. But I knew I just did not want to be there for the next 30 years, no matter what the pay was. Um, so there was that and, and I was also married and I wanted to end my marriage and I think it was just like you know, go big or go, <laughs> go big or go home. I didn't think a lot of it at the time. I just knew I wanted out. Um, and I signed a resignation. I had a little bit of, uh, you know, money saved from the company. So I kind of gave myself time thinking I was going to have time of a year. Uh, uh, um, But that did not take place because, uh, you know, everything leads to something. And and when you're young, it's great to say yes to everything because you don't know where it will lead you whether it's a dinner or a lunch or an activity or something that you're interested in or um, an internship, you just never know where it will lead. And I was having lunch with a a dear friend who is Nadine Labeke, you guys know her. Um, Her sister-in-law is a jeweler and she was telling me about how she was um, struggling and that she wants us to go and have dinner with her tonight. I didn't know the girl and I just went for dinner. what I've realized, you know, at DHL is there's, you know, I was very good at selling. So when I saw something I liked, I understood my personality very well and my strengths very well. Uh, I knew that maybe academically, I can't write for you a 50 page report, but I could sell Eskimo to, uh, I an Eskimo. So when I saw her work, I really, really thought, oh my God, the world has to know about this girl. This is how I got my first client. And it was about two and a half months after I quit DHL. So I didn't really take a long break. So that was really fast, like two months in, having a first client. So like, how was the work with your first client? How have you learned from that experience? I didn't know what I was getting myself into. I was just going in there kind of to consult on sales or what they're supposed to do. And the minute I walked in, I realized that everything I learned at DHL can be applied in this company. So 
why aren't you guys online? Why don't you have business cards? Why does your merchandise look like this? Why doesn't the world know about you? How come there aren't presentations that talk about you? Everything that was that I did in corporate world, why aren't there budgets and numbers for us to kind of have, uh, you know, to incentivize the, the people who work for us if they sell better or why don't we train them or why are they dressed like this? Shouldn't, it just came naturally. And I understood that everything I learned in the corporate world played a huge role in starting my own business. And as we moved forward, I started realizing, okay, we need to start thinking a little bit out of out of the box. And people were saying, you're a PR. I didn't know what PR was. I just wanted to make sure that they brought in the revenue that they were paying me. That was my first and, and most important thing. Like whatever you're paying me, I wanna make sure I give that back to you. And I give I make that profit back for you. So I started maneuvering my PR in a different manner, which was how do I get the right people to come and visit you? And how do I get the right people who could be interested in what you do, interested in me, so they would be interested in what I have to talk about? Um, I also think one of the things that really drove the brand to be, uh, to, to, to get to where it was, was Zaha Hadid. And that was because we learned to do a lot of cold calls at DHL. And also when you're not young, you're not as, as fearful. You know, what's the worst that could happen? Somebody says no to you, big deal, you know, you move on. So I did contact, um, I did contact Zaha Hadid for my client and she did accept and we ended up doing a collaboration together. And that's when people start saying, okay, who's this girl? Who's this girl working with Zaha Hadid? I wasn't working with Zaha Hadid, I was representing my client. Um, but I had a chance to work with her on this project. And I think this lifted my business and it got some eyes open and it made me realize, okay, you need to step this up. And if my first hit was Zaha, then the others can't be that hard. I just have to try, you know, coconuts and balls. So, so basically what we're trying to say, how has that experience in DHL helped you grow both as a person, as an entrepreneur, without like an official education certificate? Because I think a lot of, for now, like a lot of our parents are obsessed with us getting diplomas, when like our bachelors, when our masters, when our PhD. And a lot of PR agencies have that part of the staff having all these kind of degrees. But do you feel like, like a bad kind of education is not as helpful as the like, experience? They're both extremely important and extremely helpful. It depends what kind of person you are and what is your journey in life. It just happened that I didn't have the chance to have an opportunity to study even though I wanted to. So the hunger was there. I was just talking to a friend of mine right now and he was telling me, you know, what's the difference somebody where his parents uh, buy the or, or, or donate to the left wing of Harvard, send them to Harvard and he doesn't want to go to Harvard. Um, then somebody that is hungry and that wants to go to university and doesn't have the opportunity. It's hunger. It all comes down to hunger. Your parents could be donating to the biggest ward in Harvard. And if you're not hungry, you'll not, never get anywhere. And you could be the most you know, hungry person that wants to make it and is curious enough. Um, and it's, it's, you know, when I really didn't want to do these interviews for a while. And I started last year because I used to get a lot of people asking to do these interviews. The reason I, I decided to do them is because I, it's, it's really important for, for me to show the youth, I hope they're listening, I hope this impacts them, I really do, that it's not, oh my God, this is Mariana where she is, 
no. I mean, it was blood, sweat, and tears. I mean, it was days where I wouldn't afford enough to get in a cab to go home because and I would walk my ass home. You know, there's days where we wouldn't have lunch because we didn't have enough money to buy lunch. There's days where I would look and say, oh my God, I mean, what is this place? Will I ever get a chance to go there? But the hunger and the curiosity and the wanting to get there and wanting to push yourself, nothing can stop you if you have that. Nothing can stop you, whether you have an education or you don't, whether the community is, is under the pressure we're under now or, or, or not. If you're hungry and you go and you move to bloody Thailand, you will find your way. Um, and and it's, not, it's not easy. It's, it's, it's hard as fuck. Uh, you'll realize how hard it is when you're a little bit out of it and you look back. So uh, when, when, you know, I don't want people to expect that things just come, you know, because A, we've got an education. You can get the best education in the world and you'll never make it if you don't push for it and work till two in the morning and three in the morning and hear shit from people and then learn from them and put your ego aside and say, okay, when somebody says this to me, I need to think about it. Maybe I am wrong and go back. And when you're young, your, your, your youth takes place and you think you know it all. So you gotta keep yourself in check. All the time. Wait, so you obviously dedicated all your time for your work. So how old were you during this phase when you started your PR agency? I think in my early 30s. So you spent all this time, all that time, like all nighters, working hard and all that. That must have I taken had, a I had a seven-year-old daughter. And, you oh, know, wow. at some point she said to me, all I see is your back. Because all I did is sat on my dining room table day in, day out till two, three in the morning. And I would only work. I never took holidays. All my friends went on holidays. They all used to make fun of me. And, oh, Mariana, you're too busy. Oh, my God, you're too busy. I couldn't get out of where I was to say I can go and rest my mind. It was just I needed to survive and I needed to work. And that's all I could see. And it was for about three or four years, literally. Now I have Jana and I have amazing people and I take time off to think and to grow and to read and to, to make sure I nurture them as well. But at the beginning of it, no. Especially because like all your projects are described like are as ambitious and like well refined. Like every detail, every single detail can like make or break a project. So like how did you deal with mistakes, especially when you work with like top tier companies where there's like no room for error at all? And how do you deal with all that pressure and can marketing be extra challenging, especially in the Lebanese market? It's not pressure. I don't like to make mistakes. And I don't like my team to make mistakes. And it pisses me off if they do. Unless, unless it is a mistake where you don't know and you need to learn the process of something. But I don't like comments. I don't like people to make stupid common sense mistakes. It drives me insane. So it wasn't pressure. It was like, I want the best I want would I go to this event would I if I was the richest woman on the planet would I attend this would I want to be there and that's how I always initiated what I did I wanted the best of everything and I wanted to be immaculate and I and then people started realizing that if they're going to work with me um, especially in making these events it was going to be difficult because there was no there was no it's all right. There's none of that. It was like, you fucking get it done. You get it done right. Or you don't come and talk to me. And then to, after the next and after the next. And as the teams got bigger and bigger and bigger, I, 
DHL gave me the, the, the great organizational mind. So I'm, I'm very organization. I'm very organized in my mind. I could think A, B, C, D, E, F. Okay, this is what everybody has to do, now go. Um, and I was always afraid. Fear plays a role because fear makes you... The day I'm not afraid anymore of what I do, I think it's the day I will fail. And, and, and I, I want to have that fear, that expectation of myself, of my achievements. And it's personal, it's for me, it's not for anybody else. I don't like to let myself down and I don't like to let others down, especially in my work. So, so fear plays a role. And you know, when companies start seeing something that's a little innovative, that's a little different, it rolls, it rolls. But where is where does it get hard? You can get your first Vogue and your second Vogue and your McLaren. Where does it get hard? It gets hard in sustaining that standards because everybody will look for you when you are the best. And the minute you fall, they all leave you. So you have to continuously be at the top. You have to continuously thrive. You have to continuously innovate. You have to continuously keep pushing your limits and your barriers and being also a little bit afraid because for me, that, that, that gives me a bit of a kick in the ass. <laughs> so what has been your biggest event so far? Uh, so it's the first year, one year anniversary of Vogue Arabia, which was supposed to be done in Dubai. And I made sure that it was done in Lebanon with no budget. It was like a $2 million project. We did it at $60,000. And we had people like Victoria's Secret models here, all of the artists, all of the actresses from Egypt. We had everybody, everybody. Um, I decided to talk to, to Sirso and they gave me their private home, which has never been used before for a cocktail. Of course, we had Elisab, Nicolas Gebrand, Zuhair Murad, all the who's who. Um, and then I did a party in the highest building in Beirut, which is Skygate. It's actually the, on the 47th floor where we invited 700 people to a party on the rooftop. The second one was Cannes during Cannes Film Festival. It was for Empire. It was their 100 year anniversary. Um, and it was really, really difficult, really intense. I mean, we didn't sleep for two, three days. I was up until four in the morning. It was raining on me. I was freezing my ass off. Um, it was physically, physically difficult to the point where the driver I had, who was this really nice old man, kept saying, did you eat? Did you drink? I'm worried about you. It was, it was that physically intense but it really put empire as a brand in the movie and film industry i mean there was nobody that wasn't talking about it from quentin tarantino to penelope cruz who we met and this is like really huge it was really huge for them wait so you're really invested in the lebanese culture right yes I have a love for that i i'm very proud to be lebanese I associate myself very much with our culture and our history and our women and our uh, literature. And I wish I could read and write Arabic and our country and its seasons. I shouldn't be saying this now because we're going through the worst times and we, we just end up being the best at the worst of everything right now in the world. But I don't see Lebanon that way. I, I think I have like a, a, a romantic dream of it. So I think I live that more than the reality. <laughs> um, of something we'll see one day. But I love the Mediterranean. I grew up in Florida. I grew up around the beach. Um, I will always stay around water and sunshine. And I feel the Mediterranean is much richer than where, where I grew up, to be really honest, whether it's our food or music or energy, all of it.
So other than your corporate work, uh, you have dedicated so much of your time to uh, philanthropy and supporting many Lebanese NGOs, and especially with the aftermath of uh, the current economic crisis and the August 4th explosion. And then you co-founded Bebo Shabek, through which you rehabilitated 585 homes so far while trying to maintain their cultural authenticity. So how was it going to the streets and um, doing what our own government didn't do? And how much help is still needed five months after the explosion? Uh, a lot of help is still needed, obviously. We have billions, 1.3 billion, was it? In, in the amount of destruction. Um, we've only spent about 700 or 800,000 at Bebel Shebek so far. Um, how is it going on the streets? Look, um, I, 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 the, res the streets resonate with me. So it's very easy for me. I just, I'm very easy on the streets. I like being on the streets. I can go to, you can put me anywhere and I could talk to anybody with the Kanji, with Midrimin, with Rishu. And you know, when I arrived here, I was in Shiyeh. So I'm very, very, easy around the streets and during the revolution I spent a lot of time every single day on the ground um, met a lot of people the youth and the elderly this time it was it, 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 it what was really difficult was the fact that we have to do what our, our government is doing because we, we have to do it from a humanitarian point of view if it wasn't from a humanitarian point of view I think I would want them to rot in hell and not do anything for them but then you can't the amount of destruction that we've seen the other thing is, is it has opened a, it was like, you know, we were living in a bubble and I take responsibility for that. The majority of our country was suffering and we don't know them and we're living in our houses and in our parties and in our dinners and we were okay. And that's okay as well if things were all right, but the majority was not okay. And I think it's giving us a chance to meet the real people of my country the real families and allow also the volunteers to meet them and allow them to get to know um, each other on a completely different level of this. I want to do a lot more. I want to go meet all of the families. They all impact me some way. I want them to know that there is hope, that there are people who will work for this country. I wish I, I wish I could hey, kid, just like hold Lebanon and make it all right. And it's about time to see the real face of the city and the country um, and face it and stop denying it. Stop denying it, stop denying. And I, I used to do this all the time with press and I'm really kicking myself in the ass. And I'm so pissed off that I used to do that. I wish I knew better. I used to tell all the press, oh my God, Lebanon is so amazing. We have the best parties in the world. The country of contradictions, six minutes down you have refugee camps and then here you have multi-million dollar apartments and it just works. It does not work. Okay, it does not work. It was not balanced. We lost our middle class. We lost our economy. It does not work. And now we have to face that. Especially like a lot of people have like detached from reality. As I said before, we have this idea of Lebanon that it's very comforting. And when I was going to the streets after the explosion, there's a lot of sadness. There's also a sense of fraternity and solidarity. What kind of sucks that you're forced to do so. We, I want to help. You all want to help. But like, it's not the first all these kind of things. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And the reason the country was able to do so much so fast is because you as the private sector, probably your parents too, and all of us have been holding this country for the past 20 years. The private sector, the NGOs, the people helping to support education and uh, congenital heart disease and all of Himaya, Tamanna, wah, wah, wah. It was always on private sector. So when the world opened up and said, oh my God, look at the Lebanese. Well, guess what? We've been doing this for 20 years. 
We've been trained to do this. We're the ones who are keeping our country standing anyways. There was no government. Um, now the world got to see that. And now these conversations are starting to happen. And you need to have more and more and more and more of these conversations as students, especially now with all of the universities winning the independent votes. And that is a huge step. And whether you guys know this or not, it gives us a lot of hope, a lot of hope. I mean, we were home going crazy thinking, USG is not going to win the independent vote. Blood is going to be shed, and and they did. So, it's we, we we have to work together. You know, us who are getting a bit older and we're a bit tired, giving you the power that you need to to hopefully not be the ones having to be the caretakers of this country and building a proper system. Yeah, I worked with a secular club at AEB. It was really amazing working on all the campaigns. What's really frustrating for me is that for the next parliamentary elections in 2022, it's known publicly. So I'm not sure who to vote for. Our parents, who When the elections come in two or three years, somebody will... I'm sure something will happen. And that's why you, you have to have these conversations. And if you see somebody that is potential around you in your circle for your secular, give them that push. Let them know, go ahead, rise, inspire, speak up, don't be afraid. Because sometimes leaders, they just rise up. They don't know it's their charisma. It's how they, it's their passion. It's how they speak. So you have to find these people and push them forward. So I think, and last question, last question is, so now after explosion, you're still working obviously. So uh, working in Lebanese market, this economy, this, this crisis, how do you like, market all these events which are going on now, if we're still continuing? I don't, I have not done any events. Everything is going to be around Bebo Shebek or my existing clients who have brands. Um, I'm not in a place mentally, emotionally ready to do that. And I won't be a hypocrite for it. I think when the time is right, I'm going to throw the biggest fucking party you've ever seen. <laughs> but right now, I am not doing that. I'm just trying to sustain my business um, and just be on cruise control till we figure out how we're moving forward. We're actually working on a really beautiful project for Beirut in, in, in luxury and in tech. And hopefully in six months, you guys will know about it. So there is work still taking place. There are people still wanting to invest. And there is still um, brainstorming going on on how do we help our economy get back on its feet. And we all have a responsibility. Maybe mine in the world of luxury, because that's what I know. Um, and of course, you know, Bebush Bake will evolve to something, God knows what, I don't know, something. Now we're doing playgrounds, maybe later on we'll do schools, maybe it will evolve as, you know, we'll see. Thank you so much for your valuable time and inspiring words. Despite the incessant whirlwind of obstacles, which is a natural consequence of being Lebanese, you found your identity and created a powerful company that reflects your personality. And we are teenagers living through our country's worst crisis yet, with no solution looming on the horizon. But seeing how you stayed in Lebanon and how much you love Lebanon and how you use your platform uh, to help are honestly marvelous achievements and are so inspiring. So thank you so much and good luck on all your plans and take care.